You're listening to Red Nation Online. Tuesday, November 22nd, it's Prospect 11's Aaron Nielsen, I'm Ian Clark, as most TFC supporters were thinking after being down 3-0 to finish 3-2, we'll take it. Despite losing to the Montreal Impact, the Reds are in a strong position with two away goals when these two sides square off again on November 30th. We go over the calamitous first half, the subs who sparked the comeback, and look ahead to next week's match at BMO and what to expect in the club's biggest game in their history. All that and more on the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Yeah, just for the hype and also for the weather. Yeah, that's true, true. Like, who wants to sit on those hard plastic seats yeah. and freeze their asses off? Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how Toronto, like, starts the game off and in terms of the hype and all that kind of stuff and how motivated people are. Yeah. And, you know, I assume, since we're talking to podcast It's on. Let's do this. <laughs> I assume people understand that losing 3-2 is not the end of the world. Like, well, no. I, I was interested to see, like, going on... Um, you know, second sellers of tickets and see if people were trying to get rid of their tickets today thinking that next game, next week's game meant nothing. But arguably, and you know, in the traditional aggregate, which is just trying to copy in Europe, you know, being down the goal for the second game, especially scoring two away goals, would almost be opportune, right? Like, I think most people would take that going into the game, especially us today. But even, you know, even if you were playing the game from the start, you would take two goals for three goals against because that means you can win one nothing, you can win 2-1, the game goes 3-2, you can get take it to penalties, and then, you know, if you lose 4-2 anyway, you should be, something should be asked about you. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the, the slogan for this game, and it, and uh, well, Sean said it, he came over and he was just like, I'll take it. Like, and that's, yeah. I think that was, yeah. pre- I think that's what people will probably, especially after going down 2-0 at the half and then 3-0, to come out three two, you're just like, I mean, aside from actually like a miracle comeback and coming out with a draw, yeah, I, th- I think a three two result is as good as we could have hoped, yeah, uh, yeah. given the circumstance, especially like that, you know, nightmare three minutes, yeah, where yeah. Montreal scored those two goals in the first within what was that? I think it was the fifteenth minute. Yeah. Anyway, somewhere between the fifteenth and the twenty minute, they were up two 0 Yeah. Well, my pregame analysis when we were talking was that I thought Montreal would win this game two one. Um, and then I wrote that sort of performance analysis piece saying, you know, the, the weaknesses and strengths of either team, which, you know, almost came to fruition most of the game. And I'm almost, you know, lying in the sand. I think Toronto's the better team, but I still think Montreal plays a smarter, tactical, more professional game. And so it's difficult, even though, as I say, Toronto's the better team, and I think they'll have a huge advantage being at home. I still think it's 50-50 in terms of who gets through. Yeah, 100%. I, like, I think we, we kind of, we did a, like a mini preview last podcast, and I think that was, that was the always, always the, the, the caveat coming up against Montreal, I felt, was that 
they just know how to play us. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what season it's been. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's gone back and forth. You know, obviously yeah, yeah. we've had really good, great games against two. But, you know, I guess you could say for sure in the last two years, you know, Montreal's just come out with just a, a strategy that's really kind of stuck it to us. And you can go back to last year's playoff game. And you can go to, you know, there's been back and forth this year too, obviously the game in Montreal at the start of the season, yeah. but yeah. also the game in Toronto where a man down, they pulled out the yeah. win. Yeah. And then tonight, you know, you could say for 59 minutes, you know, Montreal definitely looked like they were just composed. Yeah. You know, yeah. it looks like they, they had an approach. You know, they had a strategy for how they are going to, you know, come at Toronto and play this game, and it was being executed perfectly. Uh, and then, of course, Toronto makes the substitutions. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah, I think. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll get to that. Sure, but it's sure. like, uh, I think that's... Sure, and, and to be honest with you, because I did mention substitution in my preview thing, the one thing, now I did say for Toronto to be successful, he has to, you know, be Vanny. more involved in the final product. No, uh, uh, Altador. Altador, sorry. Altador. And the one thing that I did not include in that preview, which I saw today, was his strength. Because there was plays with 50-50 balls where he literally just threw the other guy away and was able to take the ball and... You know, I did mention the thing that in the previous um, games they played each other in those close situations like crossing into the box and things like that, Toronto did beat Montreal in. And, you know, I think Montreal's quite disappointed with the goals that they allowed, but they were manhandled in those situations where strategically in terms of Montreal goals, and I think we'll go probably in detail with them, but they are more kind of set up or, you know, kind of, run a play kind of thing where yep. with Toronto's play it was gritty you know we just out beat you to crosses we just out beat you to balls in the box and you know we happened to score a couple of goals because of that yeah and I think that's I mean that maybe that's part of the story of the game of like the type of goals that were scored yeah uh and we saw Montreal go out there and the, you know the first two goals they scored were clinical I mean they, the first week they caught us on the break yeah the play where Oduro got sprung yeah and a perfectly, a perfectly threaded ball, threaded, yeah, threaded ball yeah. that went through uh, Osorio, past Bradley, you know, past the defenders that put Oduro into a perfect space, and he just slots it in. And, and we've we've sort of seen that goal from Oduro before. I mean, Toronto's had yeah, that goal yeah. scored on them on him on different teams. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's not the first time he scored that kind of goal against us. Yeah, and then you see the second goal minutes later. Yeah. Uh, that was Betashore. Yeah. heading the ball back into the center of the pitch. I think that would probably highlight as a mistake. And then he loses track of, uh, if I'm not mistaken, his Piatti coming in behind him. Yeah. Piatti slots the ball into... Um, uh, uh, get Mancuso, Mancuso. 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 Let's, let's like stumble over this for yeah. like 30 Mancuso. seconds. Mancuso? Mancuso? Yeah. Mancuso. Mancuso yeah. Well, he's Italian, is he? Yeah. <laughs> okay, on. whatever. They're, they're a foreign player. Foreign forward. Uh, <laughs> and he's running onto the ball with three TFC defenders in the in the six yard box yeah. and he just beats them all yeah. and knocks it in and right then and there Toronto's down 2-0 and then of course the third goal Montreal scores is uh, Oyongo. Yeah. Oh, I got his name right. <laughs> Which was funny enough because if I'm not mistaken he scored against us before I'm pretty sure last year maybe in a Canadian championship game. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. may have scored yeah. and he's as he's coming down the pitch I, I, I said I go oh I gotta be careful. He can score from the, which was strange that yeah. he was driving through the middle of the pitch, 
And you have Drew Moore, who initially was positioned, I think, correctly, where he was sort of cutting off him going under his left foot, but he didn't close down the space. Yeah. He, 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 let him, he still allowed him to have a couple, you know, a yard or two away from him, and he slotted a not the best strike, but he got it into the front Well, I post. think he, what he did is he found himself, like, the, the angle of his shot was perfect enough that it forced Irwin to stretch as far as he could and still didn't get a chance to reach the ball. I think and we even saw it in the game where on a couple of breakaways, you know, the player tends to just shoot, you know, he looks for as much space he can get, but then he just shoots the ball straight. And in a lot of cases, even though those are great chances, the keeper just stands there and saves the ball. So I think you have to give Iango a bit of credit because it did look like he knew he was given that much space. And he's saying, well, you know, because you see that a lot. You see this guy's rip it. And he's like, I don't need to just rip it. Yeah. I can try to find the spot where my shot's going to be, you know, the most effective. Um, and again, you know, he was one of the guys in this. It, it's interesting because the, you know, and, and we can go into this, but I thought the five-three-two got exploited a bit with the first two goals, and you know I did mention Yango. But it was funny as I was writing the article. My intention was to write, you know, because no one knows Yango is. So my intention was to write positive towards him and kind of ignoring Aduro, but then realizing Aduro's speed. And I don't think in the games that Toronto's played this five-three-two system, they really had a four a winger with such speed against them. And that always puts you kind of, you know, it asks a lot for Moro. And, and the irony is, and, and they kind of came back from this, is is they allowed that to, like, they kind of allowed that to happen. Like, I was afraid towards the second half that Toronto would have been more defensively scared and would have put Bershaw and, and Moro, you know, behind the line and played a straight back four, thinking we don't want to get burnt by this again. But they still allowed them, to, and, and that showed me a sense of confidence with Toronto, that they knew, you know, I think they, there's a confidence in that dressing room that they know they're the better team, and they can, you know, forego mistakes. And now, you know, a lot of teams, <laughs> that's their ending, right? Yeah. You know, where they go into a situation with, with uber confidence and then, you know, get, you know. Yeah, and if you know, if we, if we talk about that formation, I mean, there's no question that Greg Vanny and Toronto are, are fully committed to it. Yeah. And we saw yeah. that from the opening from the opening kickoff. Yeah. In the first play, the ball went deep to Justin Morrow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, Which no, no, Morrow was rightly. like like, you know, if this was, you know, in a few weeks when we do the next season podcast, you know, the question might be, do you see Morrow going forward as more of an attacking midfielder than than a left back? Because he seems to enjoy it. And he kind of controls that line from the center of the pitch to the opponent's 18-yard box, and he's very, you know, he does very well there, yeah. right? And, and you know, yeah, yeah, you know, like, like again, I thought that was, um, you know, I thought that, yeah, and, and again, I think in the second half, although most of the Toronto's pressure was from the center, because they had those guys on the thing, when the ball, you know, because the point of the game, especially in the second half, is about 20 minutes on the second half, where Montreal was in desperate mode, and so they were just kicking the, you know, almost like we saw with New York a week ago, where they're just kicking the ball out, and Morrow and Bursar were there to collect it with Bradley to put it back in and to you know keep the pressure going. So in that sense, there is a benefit of having those high f winger or yeah. wing backs, and I like that in terms of soccer in general. But there is consequence, you know, like everything. If you commit to one thing too much, you're going to you know 
you're likely to get burnt on that situation. Yeah, yeah, and especially we saw, and we saw a lot today too, where I think Toronto plays a three-five or a five-three-two, but you know, yeah. with three center backs, uh, hoping that Michael Bradley is sort of the extra guy to clean up a lot or to help out in defense. And what we saw in a lot of those goals was that Michael Bradley got caught too far up. Yeah, and, and I was going to say that now he did score the second Toronto goal, and I thought he was um, important in the comeback and 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 Toronto's pressure but I thought if you look at this game analytically I thought that the way Bradley was playing was almost typical to how he was playing last night I thought part of that was is either Cooper was put out of the game or they didn't give Cooper an opportunity to be in the game and the one of the things that I did speak in my preview is the dominance or the influence Cooper had in previous matches that's allowed Toronto to be this more dynamic force but it did, you know, that they're in, in some of these sort of analytics things, they showed the positioning of the player. And I wouldn't be surprised if Bradley's position in this game was far more forward the center line than back of the center line. What he's been, he's been that, you know, defensive, you know, powerhouse for most of the season. And that's when Toronto's been most successful. Yeah, and I, and I wonder too if that was necessarily by design or because, you know, maybe. Bradley, maybe Bradley broke yeah. out of his designated role in, in, a, in a match of importance. He kind of felt like he needs to be a bigger influence in this game. Well, I'll tell you what something was funny is, is that I watched the U.S. loss to Costa Rica where the U.S. lost 4 nothing, And Bradley, was, like Bradley always does, was putting the team on his back, right? And it wasn't making the U.S. necessarily any better. He was just, you know, doing whatever he could do to, to put pressure on Costa Rica and, and do something with the ball. And I think he was doing a bit of that today. And I don't know, maybe, you know, you know, maybe it's a stretch, but maybe the, you know, that experience recently put it, put it on his back to say, I got to do something, or maybe that's just who he is, right? Like if he doesn't feel, you know, that the game is going to play out positively and, and as a team, he feels like I got to do this. I got to put the game on my back. I got to do whatever I can. And again, you know, when Toronto's struggling, he tends to be a centerpiece of that struggle because he gives space open and causes problems and all that kind of... And I saw a couple of times in this game, Piatti took the ball off him cleanly and a couple of other situations that, you know, he wasn't as effective as he was, say, in those two games against New York. New York, yeah. Um, maybe just touching... I wanted to maybe just touch on one point you made, circling back quickly on Arjongo and his type of goal. I did want to make one point that, you know, as Toronto fans... And in my, you know, my brief analysis of a youngest goal, you know, we should be a, a little bit more sophisticated, especially having watched Jovinko for the last two years, where he's been one who's not necessarily gone for power and mm. just gone for the perfect placement. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, and you know, my my first assessment there that even, you know, two minutes ago was that oh, a youngo that wasn't a great goal. Irwin looked terrible on it, but now saying fuck, you know, we've we've seen these type of goals on our side. Yeah, yeah. And maybe giving a little more credit than I was originally five minutes ago, um, that you're right. He probably, he, he did put the perfect ball where it had to be, let more get into the position maybe that he wanted them to get him into before he struck the ball and put it right where he Yeah, and the only thing, now again, I almost think that the, the field had something to do with this. Yeah. Because, you know, I do watch a lot of soccer, and when a player is given that much space to run in, the defense usually just cleans them up, right? Like takes a dive, you know, does something drastic to end the play there. And and in more in Moore's case, I thought he had that opportunity because the, the, his co-defenders had run back already, so he wouldn't have got the red card for being the last man back. 
but I'm wondering if that field scares you <laughs> diving in. <laughs> well, there's, maybe there's two, there's two parts to that. Yeah. Okay, the first thing I'm going to say is, yeah, maybe we, we sh probably should have talked about this fucking pitch right from the start. Okay. okay. But we didn't put the caveat here. We're sitting outdoors. At in uh, at Stanley Park, which is I'm sure like this grass is way better than <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say. So we're kind of like you know. I thought it was good. It was, we could have done this podcast in the football factory. We could have done outdoors. I'm like, let's do it outdoors because we'll be more inclined to do it quicker um, and get it over with because it's eleven o'clock or almost eleven thirty at night and uh, turn this around and get this posted as quick as possible. But if we'd if we'd had a moment to catch our breath, we probably would have wanted to start the podcast off talking about a. These fucking guys don't know how to draw an 18-yard box. <laughs> Sights and sounds. That was Holy like, shit. That was yeah, I know. yeah, so we're taking, a, we're taking a sidebar left turn here quickly just to talk about sights and sounds. That the, the Olympic Stadium, apparently no one all week recognized that this was a 14-yard box or whatever you want Lar to call Larson, it. Larson had an idea. But. Yeah. <laughs> but to add to that, you know, obviously, and, and Larson was showing parts of the pitch that he could just re grab, touch with his hand, and pull up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. there's, you know, I just wanted to say there's two parts of that because, A, you have to say, okay, the pitch was one thing with more, but also the bounce on the ball. I mean, like, if that was regular grass, perhaps it may not have... Well, there's, the, might have gone, there, there's the Piatti chip. Yeah, there may not have been the pace on the yeah, ball yeah. after it hit the... Because it took a bounce in the goal. Oh, okay, okay. You mean and, and Irwin didn't get, yeah. get to it in time. Yeah. Now, this is a bit of a speculation. If it was grass, maybe it wouldn't have come off sure, the ground so sure, quickly sure. and Irwin might have had a closer chance at it. Sure. I don't know. I'm just throwing yeah, it Yeah, again, there. you know, when we, we've had, you know, that debate about bad pitches in Canada for a number of different issues and things like that. Now, I would say, you know, um, you know, my argument on the other side to that is, is within North America, there's, you know, AstroTurf pitches everywhere. We've all played on it or we go to high schools or things like that. And then even players who are not Canadian or American you know, they're from not the best areas of the countries they come from. So they're playing on dirt pitches. They're playing on, you know, so it's a kind of, uh, you kind of have to, you know, kind of deal with that kind of thing. And, you know, to be honest with you, like, would I have made this a major emphasis of the game? Would I have said that this pitch was caused, you know, everything? Probably not. Like, I thought the, the, the not having the, field the same the proper size was ridiculous but <laughs> yeah 18 yard box <laughs> but uh crazy <laughs> and the whole like treatment let's get out the let's like it's like uh let's get out the green spray paint let's try to paint these lines down and put out new ones yeah no i was going to save that for the sights and sounds only to ask a question you know and i think larson actually probably mentioned this would you have you know, would the game, you know, arguably if the game was in Saputo Stadium, it would have been perfectly managed because, you know, they're used to it and it's a soccer stadium and stuff like that. But you would only have the 20,000. Is the 60,000 spectacle worth the, you know, playing on that shitty pitch and, and all the problems that come with it? Like in terms of Canada soccer, right? Like yeah. what's, what's a better story that we can get 60,000 people out to a game or that we run the manage the game you know, perfectly yeah. kind of thing, Yeah, and right? you know, and the thing is, I can, I went to the season, no, it wasn't, it wasn't a season opener, but I did go to the Toronto game against Montreal, if I remember, was it 2013? That was in the Big O, or was it 2012? I think it was 2013. Yeah, because we lost that game to okay. Vios, I think it was 2-0. So I'm pretty sure it was 2013. And, uh, I mean, my recollection was like, 
it is a shitty place. Oh, yeah. No, I've been to Olympic Yeah, Stadium it's before, like, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously it's got history from A, the Olympics and, you know, the Expos and all that stuff. But, like, overall, I'm just like, this place fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, the acoustics are shit. Like, the whole setup is just, like, not great. Yeah. So, you know, you, that's what you ask yourself. It's like, okay, it's obviously a venue that holds many people. But in terms of just, you know, I remember the Champions League at the Dome. And I would take that. Every day of the week, yeah. over watching a game at the Big O, okay, like a hundred percent. Even yeah. though it's like, yeah, we laid down that pitch, or whatever. It was like, te- like a hundred times better the experience of watching a f- soccer game at the Dome than I would mm-hmm. say walking at the mm-hmm. Big, watching at the Big O. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, cycling back to the game, I did. I just want to. I want to follow the chronology because we okay. kind of we kind Thank of read our younger's goal, and you talked about. We touched on Toronto's goals, but I did want to say one thing, especially because obviously Toronto gets back into this game, and it's Altidore who scores the goal. Yeah. And there's sort of two instances where he's involved, and, I, and you know, it was almost... Well, let's say this. Obviously, the substitutions made a difference mm-hmm. in, this, in the way things tr- turned around. You know, Cooper was not having the kind of game that we've seen him have. Yeah. So Cooper's had, Cooper's had games like this, and he's had games like we saw against New York. Yeah. And even against Philadelphia, we're like, where even I'm, I've been on the fence with him, but those are games I have to say, tip my hat and say, he's played fucking awesome. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's been, you know, he's gotten stuck in, you know, he's, he's been pretty good dribbling. He may have turned the ball over, but like more often than not, he's looked good out there. Today, he wasn't as influential as we've seen him, seen him been. So then we see um, Ricketts come in yeah. for Osorio and we saw Will Johnson come in for Cooper. And I think, I think that was the right people to take out at that point. As much as I'm an Osorio fan, he too wasn't having, you know, the kind of game that we've seen him have. And overall, those were great changes. And the first, and you know, you made the comment about Altidore saying uh, when we were watching the game, he said, you know, he's kind of been a bit quiet today. Yeah. But we've kind of said this about Altidore in the last little stretch, and especially since he's been performing, is that, well, I'm, I've sort of been resigned to say, that's I, that's kind of a bit of his game. Like he might, you know, he's good aerially. He's been pretty good, sort of around the half, like getting up for Irwin's long balls and like heading it on. Yeah. However, um, you know, I'm willing to wait until the 88th minute, and when there's that loose ball in the 18 yard box, all of a sudden this physical presence comes yeah. out, yeah. and you, and he has that extra bit of motivation, desire that he beats out the defender. To win that ball and create something out of it. And we saw three plays where he sort of was like, obviously we saw the header that he yeah. scored for the goal, yeah. which was like, I mean, that that six-yard boss was buzzing yeah. with players and especially Montreal players. So he gets on the header. And then the next play where he's one of, was a Cabrera? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, Cabrera goes down and you almost think they're going to call a foul. But, I mean, you watch it over and over. It just was like, it was it was clean. I mean, yeah. two, two big guys. And Altidore wins the challenge. Yeah. And, you know, he gets the ball in there, and then Ricketts picks it up and, and then lays it off for Bradley, and he scores the goal. And then we saw the third time, too, where um, Altidore took it on his left foot and just hit the side netting. Yeah, yeah. And if, and if he had scored that goal, we would be raving. But even, even without that, I yeah. would say, like, you know what? In the end of the day, for a game where you, he wasn't having much influence, especially in that first half because yeah. it was so bad, yeah. in the second half... <coughs> You know, he, it's like again, like he he delivered on on what you need. Yeah, well, and and again, I you know I kind of said that where in terms of his strength, I certainly did notice it in the second half. Yeah, and that was something I underestimated going to game. It's interesting 
you say what you say because Drogba came on as a substitute for Montreal and looked completely useless, except there was two plays back right, right after each other where, and again, he didn't really clinically finish them, but you were almost afraid when the ball was coming to him that he would know exactly what to do with it. One, he took off his chest and could have put it into the net, and I think the other one was just, yeah, one, one was more outside the box, but he was choosing where to shoot from and then just missed. Um, and, I, you know, that's always what you get with these forwards is, is they're not judged upon how much, you know, Mancuso is a good example of that for Montreal, or Odeur is a good example for yeah. Montreal, right? They're not guys that you're going to, you know, get 100 touches and 90 minutes of play, but all they need is that, you know, position, that shot, that chance, that opportunity. You know, my only it's, – it's hard to say. It's hard to say because, you know, going back towards – you know, your Ricketts coming on and your Johnson coming on. Um, you know, the two issues that I have is, um, you know, most of the game is played by the starting 11, and so you want your best starting 11 on the field. Um, and I thought that Toronto's inability to put Cooper in the game tonight almost caused them is what, what, what happened was, is because Cooper wasn't in the game, it forced Eltador and other players to come back and play with the ball more, where if Cooper takes that role, then Eltador could play farther up and he could be more of an attacking presence. And then the other thing that I found frustrating with Eltador in the first half was he kind of didn't know what to do when he was given the ball in, in, in certain plays, right? And, and you know, that's always going to be a frustration, but especially when you have a player like Dravinko, who, you know, both of us admit had a fairly quiet game tonight. At a certain point, you got to give that guy some help, right? And you need a guy who's going to play, you know, we just, you know, as we left the bar, we were watching the beginning of the Colorado and Seattle game, and Colorado scored, an, you know, a very nice goal, because the guys, you know, and it was their DP guys, but they knew where each other was and they could play that goal, right? And, you know, it's soccer has, you know, you can score a variety of ways in soccer and soccer has a variety of goals, but it's those, you can score as many of those sort of open play passing, you know, dummies and things like that, then you can score, you know, headers in the box or something like that, right? And so, you know, we're trying to, you know, maybe you don't need, to, you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, hopefully we're doing a podcast or you're, you and Steve are doing a podcast next week. Hopefully we're doing a finals podcast on Toronto, not just the MLS. And maybe you don't need to be the perfect 10 star team to win the MLS Cup final. But, you know, if Toronto want to be that great team, I think they have to integrate all their tools opposed to just relying on how much pressure they put on and manhandling teams at the end of the game and trying to get back. Yeah. And and arguably, it'll be interesting. Like, you know, I guess we can go into, you know, because we wanted the podcast to be shorter. We can go into the up, the, the matchup upcoming, and it'll be interesting how, how they play that, right? Because yeah. I'm wondering if Montreal can stop the Toronto pressure. Or, or does Toronto just manhandle them, period, just because of who they have on the pitch and who can Montreal put on the pitch? Yeah, because I was going to tee up uh, a talking point that you kind of had during the game. Okay, sure. But maybe we can we can sort of <clears throat> weave that into the upcoming game because my sort of I was like the question I was thinking of is, <clears throat> do you stick with the three five two or five three two for the the second leg? And then of course <clears throat> you mentioned you know Jovinko had a quiet game, Cooper had a quiet game, and those are two guys that you've and that and this ties into what you were just saying yeah. that you would expect 
as technical players should be linking up better. Yeah. And could be, you know, if you get, if you get Cooper in sync with Jovinko, who at times is very well in sync with Bradley and Altidore, yeah. then you've created, you know, four players. More or less, yeah. that should be able to link up really well. And we, I don't think, we, I don't think you can say we've seen Cooper and Jovinko really create something together. Like no, you, I'm, no. you, I don't think you've seen anything special between no. the two of them. And they made it made, made a really interesting point, obviously at halftime, that the relationship between Bradley and Jovinko, where every time Bradley gets the ball, Jovinko makes the run, mm-hmm. and it seems like every time Jovinko makes the run, Bradley makes the attempt. Okay, and. Today it didn't work out, but you could see there was, I think there was four or five plays where it was literally, the ball gets on, on Bradley's foot, and he's sending see, it. See, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that, because I did see that at the halftime. And I almost think that's negative play from Toronto, because a lot of those balls are high balls coming in that Dravinko is expected to head or bring down, which we've seen him bring down a lot of crazy passes, but that's a lot of expectation on him, right? And in this sense, I almost, you know, I would almost criticize Bradley, because I thought Bradley again, put too much of the game on his shoulders. So instead of having an overall, con- we, you know, we've seen this with Endo on the pitch and other people on the pitch where he'll just not even yeah. <laughs> look at them and ignore them. But, you know, again, I think, you know, like, and again, you know, it's you go down to nothing, you know, 18 minutes in the game, you're, you are desperate. But it's felt like a desperate game throughout the 90 minutes. And, you know, I, we're happy that they were able to get the two goals. Except, as I said, the two things is what do you expect in the next game? Because are you going to be that frantic from the start? And then the second thing is, is I don't think that's the team at their best, right? Like this, you know, if I was, you know, if I was a, 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 an outsider, if I, if I was a Montreal fan, I thought Toronto not fluked or Toronto bossed their way back into the game. They didn't deserve it, right? If I was a overall fan, um, you know, I, I would respect tr- Toronto's tenaciousness, but they wouldn't have impressed me. If I was a Colorado or Seattle fan, I was looking at the final, I would go, oh, this is Toronto? This is the team that beat New York 5 nothing. They don't look that special, right? Where, again, with Montreal was effective at doing the things they're good at. Yeah. Right? And, and so, it is a very... Now, I, my guess is both teams will play the same formation going into the next game, just because the soccer game's 90 minutes not 30 minutes or 60 minutes, you know, or 20 minutes. So I think that gives them the most, um, you know, field and steadiness and all that kind of thing. It'll be interesting because, you know, Montreal can get away with a 0-0 draw. So at what point does Toronto, you know, put the pressure on and say, hey, we got to, um, you know, go for it. And then Toronto still has to be careful of the uh, a break on the other end because yeah. if Montreal scores goals, then it's... Yeah. And they can just sit with, you know, either eight or whatever, ten or nine guys behind the ball yeah. and just wait for Oduro or Piatti to get yeah. sprung. Yeah. And, now, the, the, weird, the, the interesting thing is you would say that with most teams, but because Montreal's so weak with... Um, week in the box against Toronto, they probably don't want that, right? They don't probably don't want 80 crosses coming into the box and then just heading it out or throwing them back for corners. So that will be the interesting, I think, strategically, I think that will be the interesting thing for next game. Yeah, and I think that's, if we exit this game, you know, I would probably start by saying, you know, almost going back to the start of this podcast saying, you know what, I'll take it. And not just in a sense of like, yeah, we're in, we're in an okay position. 
I think for a Toronto FC supporter, you look at this game and say, you know, a relief yeah. that we went from 3-0 to 3-2 because now <clears throat> you're going into this game next Wednesday where it's like it's very achievable. Yeah. It's, this is very doable. Sure. But the job still has to get done. Yeah. So the drama is still lined up. Like this is sort of like I'm – that's what and I'm – ironic, And ironically, there was a lot of times Toronto had to get the job done this year where they didn't succeed at. Like how many times did they go up a man? <laughs> yeah, not not. But there's now there's a story that we can build this week. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. whether it gets built or not, but the players have something <clears throat> to really focus yeah. on. Instead of being down three 0 yeah. they have a week to say we got to get the business. We got to do the business. We got to get this job done. <clears throat> Supporters can go out there and say we got to be the twelfth man. Yeah, everything is sort of lining up where it's like this. You know that this is what we wanted. This was a was a fear that with the second leg, Toronto might be too far behind yeah yeah right you want to be in that second leg and be able to determine your fate sure or control your fate sure. so to speak and now toronto does yeah and i think there's there's nothing else we could ask for going into this game and now it's like now i'm excited for next wednesday and we're gonna we're gonna see something whatever the outcome is that like yeah this is this is a pivotal game in the club's history where if we if we do what we're supposed to do and get the job done, you're in the MLS Cup finals, and that's yeah, that's yeah. all you can ask for, yeah, right? Yeah. At this stage of the well, game. Well, and again, I think you know I'd certainly put Toronto's <laughs> favor in the final. I think the um, you know although it's auxiliaries and twelfth, you know, but I think the you know home game, I think the crowd, I think the whole atmosphere and all those things are going to motivate or help Toronto. And I think right now, I think Toronto is certainly the favorites in this game. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. Like, I, it, you know, just, you know, tactically, I would almost, if I was Montreal, I would almost start Venegas and Drogba instead of Aduro and Mancuso just because they're more position players, right? And so they can hold up the ball. They can cause a lot more fouls and, and crap going on to the center of the pitch and release some of that pressure that the starting lineup that they put out today asked for. Right. You know, like, um, you know, arguably. And again, I don't think they could have done anything to prevent it. But it's not surprising that Toronto was able to put this much pressure against Montreal in the second half. And I think if they're able to maintain that pressure with the, you know, with the crowd support and, you know, everything going into that positive thing, I think, you know, I, you know, I'm very confident that Toronto can get by this. Yeah. Next game. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's probably when we when we came into this round. No, I, I we we both gave our predictions to start. You said you said it was probably going to be a, a loss, and I was like it could probably be a draw. Um, but either either I think you know either outcome, like we, again, Toronto controlled their own fate in the second yeah, leg, yeah. and as favorites, they should be able to to pull through. Yeah, I I going into the game, I thought Toronto would lose two one, but still with the impression Toronto would win the series. Yeah, right. Like that's what these series are sort of designed for and I think it would be a great upset like the game we saw earlier with the Piatti goal when Toronto lost one nothing I think it'd be a great upset if Toronto lost this game unless Montreal did something completely different out of left field that Toronto wasn't expecting and and took over the game so I don't know if I don't think Montreal's capable of doing that but that would be the only fear I would have on Toronto's um, side. Yep. <laughs> so, Aaron, I think I think we might we might leave it on that. 
So we sure. get we get it's it's like it's a little chilly. My legs are feeling. Cool. I didn't have long johns on. <laughs> no, the one last thing is my as my outro. I did I did want to. I would have against so many things lined up at the start that <clears throat> we didn't get a chance to say. But I should mention that. Um, you know, we we're obviously coming back to Football Factory. Mm-hmm. They stopped taking table reservations. <laughs> However, yeah, we're whatever. Like I'm trying to think. I think the year that we started doing the road games might have been. 2000, 2011 is mm-hmm. when we started doing every game. The first two seasons, the podcast only did home games. Yeah. And then starting in 2011, we started doing every game. So we would have, but we would have gone to Football Factory in 2000 and both those seasons anyways, we just weren't doing a podcast. Yeah. So more or less since 2009, you know, the, whether it's been Tim Vickery or you or, or Dan Rouse or whoever else, Andre a lot of times has been going there and, uh, I walked in on the weekend to try to reserve a table and they're like, sorry, we're not taking reservations. At, like, we're booked up. Oh, okay. Or we're not, like, I guess they wanted okay. to leave a few tables, like, open for walk-ins. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, you know what? Since it's you, we'll still give you your booth. <laughs> Thank you. And I was like... Well, I'll give you... I'll give very, you. But I'm going to say, yeah. like, it's very, it was very nice no, because no, I they, like, it wasn't like... Oh, because it was more like it was like, yeah, you've been coming here every week, so yeah, we'll, we'll make sure you get a table. And I was just like, I was pretty thankful, and we th- we thanked um, them as we left. And it was, I don't know, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there that, yeah, um, no, as no. a local place, they've been really they've been really nice. Well, to I, us. I regard as one like I I've gone there non soccer events just for the food and the drink, and I think it's a one of the best bars in terms of that in the city. But I'll give you a quick sight and sound. Um, during the game, they were showing sh- screenshots from Real Sports, which is, you know, the MLSC bar and an MLSC thing. A year ago, um, Kamal and I were looking for a, a, a... We work far away from the... Fo- we're close to Real Sports, but we're far away from Football Factory, and we're looking for a place to watch the game. This is the Montreal or Montreal Beach round, the first round last year. And Real Sports would only show on a couple TVs without any sound. <laughs> so it's just funny that now, I, I was reading in the um, in, in the newspaper that the uh, New York games got like 300,000 viewership on TSN. And it was interesting, one of my other sites in sound before the, the field was all screwed up was the effort that these organizations are, you know, and partly, you know, partly it's, you know, I'm laughing at it, it's kind of bandwagon jumping and stuff like that, which I think, you know, I think if you're a real soccer fan i know there's other places in the city but if you're a real tfc fan you're probably at football factory if you're a bandwagon jumper you're probably at real sports but there's that which is the mlsv brand but then also tsn right yeah. tsn put all the red carpet out tonight now they lost their feed halfway through the first yeah, time yeah no sh- yeah there's there's a good sign <laughs> and and then and you know and then this you know the field thing right but it, it's you know like part of me is you know again we always come back to this when i'm on the podcast but parts of me it's amazing where soccer's gone to, but I always, you know, I always feel a bit of, um, you know, there's a bit of happiness in me that, you know, the places that put the effort in and been here for the long term are getting their returns, and it's not just people jumping on the bandwagon trying to make a quick buck or, yeah. you know, or branding off yeah. of the thing, right? And you have, and you have to say, I mean, like this is from 2007. Like you go, I guarantee you, you go any game day during the season. A real sports bar, and you try to get the TFC game on, you're not getting it on, right? And yeah. so, you know, especially I think, if it's in conflict with the Jays game or a hockey game or, or a playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, tell me about it. So, um, so in that sense, you know, I think 
I'm glad, you know, I'm, I'm amazed, you know, not amazed, but I'm, I'm happy that Football Factory has stuck around and is a great place to go for, you know, not only TFC games, but all soccer games. But, you know, I think, you know, and, and I'll say this too, you know, I'm a TFC fan, but for people like yourself, I think, you know, this is something you deserve and this is something, you know, and I want Toronto to beat Montreal for that Toronto audience. And I would hope Seattle beats Toronto so we can get the home game here for the so final. Colorado, right? Or the, yeah, Seattle beats Colorado yeah. to get the home game here because I think that would be amazing. And I think that would be, you know, what's the word, retribution or, you know, yeah. like reward for all the effort and time and, and you know, things you guys put into that, yeah. <laughs> including the football factory, yeah. right? And as much as like I think it was, it was I don't know if it was last podcast from before we kind of I was saying we're starting to daydream a little bit too much. Now, right now I'm like let's just one step at a time. Let's take care of Montreal first, and then next week we can discuss what's coming next uh, and get excited yeah, about that yeah, then. Yeah. But in, in the meantime, like I'm really looking forward to next week's game. And yeah, like, and that's it probably and, uh, it might arguably be the, that was the best thing we could ask for. Yeah, right? and, because especially when you're down three nothing. You thought that this was, you know, it felt Canada. It like it felt yeah. And you know what? It's like, I'm trying to wonder, and this is maybe this, as we exit, throws out to the supporters or people listening to the podcast. <clears throat> can you think of a game, maybe the LA game mm. at, at the, at, or the LA game away, uh, a game or even maybe that Champions League run where we went to Santos Laguna where you were going into a Trump game like genuinely, like, motivated like genuinely like okay this is this is a match like i'm i got to get geared up for this and yeah. the week that's leading up to it, you're going to start getting the anticipation yeah i mean this game would have been one but i mean obviously next week everything's on the line and i don't think we've had too many games like that where you know i, I can i don't want to jinx it by saying this one game in particular that we had that where we fucked it up real bad but <clears throat> overall i don't think there's been game a game Maybe, again, aside from the Santos Lagunas one where, you know, it was, like, at this level. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, Aaron, we'll leave it at that. Everyone sure. knows uh, f- from the podcast, they can get you at, at EMB Sports or at Prospect XI. Yep. And um, just keep keep an eye out for that because, obviously, seasons are going on and whatnot, and you're updating here and there and <laughs> talking about this and that. And everyone knows you can get me at Clark RNO. You can even tweet at Red Nation Online, um, info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Uh, any thoughts or comments or discussion points uh, if you want us to talk about them on uh, the next podcast. Otherwise, um, we'll leave it at that. Next, I mean, Steve and I have our tickets for next game, so we'll be there on Wednesday and hopefully the following day we only have good things to talk about. <laughs> so, yeah. so, Aaron, thanks a lot sure, for no sticking problem. around and thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time. you to get involved reach out to us on twitter at red nation online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca get in touch with us let us know how you thought the team did agree disagree it doesn't matter also check out our other podcasts on red nation online from the black hole ours is the fury and our interview series thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time I understand him, I understand you, for you are him.